That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. In 1979, the first issue of Fangoria was released into the world. It's been 40 years now, and Fangoria is better than ever, each issue bringing you 100 pages of exclusive, carefully curated content honoring horrors past, present, and future. These articles and interviews will never be published online, so the only way to read them is by getting your hands on a physical, collectible copy of your own. We can't give anything away because we want the experience to be a surprise, but we can safely say that you do not want to miss a single page. Head to Fangoria.com to learn more and to, well, subscribe. And while you're there, make sure to enter the promo code POSTMORTEM to save 15% off your subscription. That's Fangoria.com, promo code POSTMORTEM to save 15%. sacrifices must be made. Fangoria's newest movie, Satanic Panic, starring Rebecca Romaine and Jerry O'Connell, hits select theaters and VOD on September 6th. Sam, a pizza delivery girl at the end of her financial rope, has to fight for her life and her tips when her last order of the night turns out to be high society Satanists in need of a virgin sacrifice. Directed by Chelsea Stardust and written by Grady Hendrix, Birth Movies, Death, calls Satanic Panic an absolutely entertaining horror film that will satisfy any viewer's need for monsters and mayhem. See it in select theaters and on VOD September 6th. Just as a special note for the fans out there, Nightmare Cinema is coming to Blu-ray. September 3rd, it will be available so you can own physical media just like in the 80s. I'm Mick Garris. This is Postmortem AMA, where you can ask me anything. And producer Joe is here with us, as always, to ask me your questions. Hello, Mick. Hello, Joe. Are you ready? I guess I am. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. On the slab. On the slab. Uh, Well, let's start with Four Color Craig. He asks, what's your favorite depiction of the devil in popular culture? There's an awful lot of them. Yes, there is. Um... But off the top of my head, I can't imagine any that would beat Rosemary's Baby. It's more of a cameo than a starring role, but it's pretty powerful and potent, and the movie itself is one of the greatest. And those youngsters out there who haven't seen this movie had better watch it by now. But the depiction of the devil there is it's mostly just his eyes and uh, the eyes of his son, Uh, but it's really, really powerful, and it, it makes for a shocking moment in yeah. a truly classic movie from 1968. It's unforgettable. Yeah, yeah. it's unforgettable. Um, all right. Well, Christian Hannah Horror asks, you seem like such a nice, calming personality. <laughs> what are some of the things that might get you really angry or worked up? You know, injustice really bothers me. Yeah. Uh, 
traffic is one thing too. <laughs> I, I was I have born. seen you get some road rage before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm born and raised in Los Angeles, and it's like the old uh, Walt Disney goofy cartoons where oh yo, oh, oh yo, I'm very happy all the time, and uh, put him behind a car and it's like, <laughs> so. So uh, that throws me off my normally calm demeanor. But I have seen you get upset with things about injustice and stuff. Like, yeah, I mean, well, especially when you know going through the movie and and some of the uh, some particular vendors, maybe. Who, yeah, who... <laughs> well, uh, we we had an issue with a visual effects company that that really kind of uh, took advantage of us and yeah. did some things that were not only illegal but were unethical at yes. the very yes. very least yes. and i was cr- quite angry and as uh, as you should have been as as i was and yeah. you know yeah well it, it uh, fucked up our ability to make the movie on the budget we were working on yeah and um, and scheduled and scheduled. Lots, lots of problems and uh, also probably the thing that throws me most off of my calm center is having the president that we have mm. and seeing the toll it's taking on lives all over, not just in our country, but around the world. And it's something, you know, we don't talk politics on the show that much. We do occasionally, but very rarely. But it is an important part of our lives, certainly an important part of my life. And I see uh, the LGBTQ community being raked over the the coals. I see hypocrisy uh, everywhere in in the uh, Republican Party, which mm-hmm. will not resist these these turns to uh, fascism that I think is happening in the White House, and I, you know, it's it's not my place to talk about that on a, a show that's about movies and filmmaking and the like. But but that's a, a a side of me that that it's hard for me to 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 just ignore. And and when you're talking about what upsets me. That's certainly uh, one of the major things. That when you were on the the world tour for Nightmare Cinema la- over the last year, did did that come up when you were talking with people? people All the time. Yeah. All the time. It, it's I'm disgraced by what's happening in my country, the country that that stood for being the land of the free and the home of the brave. Yeah. And it's turned its back on that. It's turned its back on on the sense of community and 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 help and you know, extending a helping hand to the people who need it the most. That's what a, go- a government is yeah. for, is to help protect the people and not to kick dirt in their faces. The good news is that it will hopefully inspire some really cool horror movies. <laughs> it already <laughs> it has. It already has. It already uh, has. Anyway, well, let's move on yes, to the uh, political no, no, no arena. Yeah. Well, all right, let's go, to, let's go to the opposite of that question. Uh, at Darth Duff wants to know, what do you like to do outside of writing, directing, and watching movies. What does Mick do to blow off steam and relax? Well, I do go outside a lot. You know, I hike a lot, and uh, whether it's uh, around the streets of the neighborhood or in the hills, uh, and I love traveling. I've had the opportunity, not just with Nightmare Cinema and other films I've been involved with, to go to different countries around the world and have new experiences like that. But the last couple of years, the last maybe five years, more than ever in my life, I'll go to maybe six or eight, maybe even more countries in a year. And it's it's thrilling and exciting to be exposed to different lands, different cultures, different artistic approaches, uh, going to festivals and seeing films from, you know, we're back to watching movies again, <laughs> but 
Even when I'm at a festival, I will make it a point to get out of the theater and see the city and the surroundings. And, you know, whether yeah. it's the Netherlands or, or it's uh, Brazil or it's Argentina or it's Japan or whatever, you know, it's, it's important to me. I mean, you might as well while you're there, right? Otherwise, you're just stuck in little interview rooms and yeah theaters. i'm not interested <laughs> in that you know I, I i love being exposed to the arts but i also want to participate in in how other people live and societies other than our own yeah and it's pretty exciting and it, and it gives you a much greater worldview as a human being as well as an artist or as a writer or as a filmmaker yeah uh, well, kind of staying, I guess, on those lines of, of uh, maybe a non-horror question, Pat underscore Rick 289 asks, what are some of your favorite non-horror movies? Interesting question. Well, my favorite movie this year so far is easily Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is not a horror movie, it's although horror it has movie. horrific elements. Yes. I, I love Qu uh, Quentin's work. Uh, I think this is a, a masterwork. I saw it twice the first week it opened, and I plan on seeing it more. Uh, I think the Coen brothers are amazing. Um, no Country for Old Men is not a horror movie that is a spectacular piece of, of drama and performance. Their films are beautifully photographed. Um, so I think those are a couple good examples. Or if you want to go back in time... One of my very favorite filmmakers is, is the first writer-director in Hollywood. Um, Preston Sturgis made wonderful movies uh, like The Lady Eve and The Palm Beach Story, uh, Sullivan's Travels, really great trenchant comedies that mixed uh, social satire with slapstick of the most broad nature. Wonderful writing, great characters. And back in the late 30s, he was a hugely successful screenwriter who wanted to direct because he was frustrated by how his screenplays were handled. Hmm. And so I think it was 1939, he, he wrote The Great McGinty, which was a political satire uh, about boss politics in cities, uh, in this case in, in New York. And everybody wanted to make this movie. And they paid him. He was the most highly paid screenwriter in Hollywood at the time. And he'd come out of Broadway. But he said, you can have this movie, this script for $1. <laughs> but the caveat is, I have to direct it. Amazing. And he did. And he became one of the most popular filmmakers of the 1940s. I guess, you know, one, one cathartic thing to pull out of that is that uh, struggle of wanting to direct after watching your screenplays not be what they could be by other people. <laughs> I've had that old, experience. Yeah, it's an age-old uh, <laughs> yeah. thing. That, but I've also had good luck. Sure. In that, you know, I've had some screenplays or teleplays that were written and were directed by people like Martin Scorsese oh, or yeah, right. Robert Zemeckis or Joe Dante yes. and, and, and see them come out the way... Not only the way they're intended, but even better in some ways. Yeah, when you're yeah. in the hands of, of a really wonderful filmmaker you admire and respect, it's, it's thrilling to see that transformation take place. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of uh, your, your successes, Sylvie <laughs> Bev writes, In our house, you're number one. Oh, jeepers. Mine kids are obsessed with Hocus Pocus, and The Stand has been my husband and my favorite for over 25 years. Wow. 
Are are there any films or works of yours you wish got more attention? Hmm. Well, there are certainly several that have not gotten a lot of attention. Uh, probably the film that's closest to me that hasn't reached a wide audience. Certainly the most personal movie I ever made was Riding the Bullet, which was based on a Stephen King story. But it was a 30-page short story, and this was a feature film. It was a theme about death and redemption and, and, and family that really resonated to me. It's easy to read that short story and go, oh, okay, this is just a simple short story. But at the time, I had experienced the loss of my brother and my father, and it became, death became really personal to me. And so I was able to, um, to take that story. Usually I say when you work with Stephen King, the less you deviate from what he did, the better the movie's going to be. But in this case, there was so much room to deviate from it. I had two-thirds of a movie that right. wasn't there because right. it was a short story. And with King's approval, I went in and made it something incredibly my own, um, you know, something that that um, there were slices out of my own life that were put into that, and certainly slices out of my own heart that were put into that. And the film was a total flop when it came out. Uh, the company couldn't get it set up with a studio and did private uh, self-distribution in three cities. They didn't take out one TV ad because wow. it was a, a story that was published on, uh, on the Internet. It was an e-book. It mm. was the first e-book by a major author. And so they said, well, we'll sell it on the Internet. And this is back in huh, 2004. No. Yeah. So uh, they didn't do any ads. They... They opened it wide in three cities, in L.A., in Phoenix, and I forget what other city. So it was in like 60 theaters in huh. Southern California, and nobody saw it. Yeah. On opening day, I went to, to one of the local theaters, and people were looking at the movies that are playing. They haven't even made their mind up what they want to see. And there's something called Riding the Bullet that they didn't add. The Part of the title is Stephen King's Riding the right. Bullet. It just says Riding the Bullet. Well, I haven't seen that on TV. I don't know anything about that. Yeah. Nobody yeah. even bothered. So that was the one that I wished had reached a wider audience. Well, hopefully uh, hearing that, our fans <laughs> will reach out and find it and watch it. Reach out and touch it. Yeah. So last week we got a lot of great feedback on our conversation about uh, your prep for directing. Huh? So I decided to pick oh, a good. kind of a main, bigger question, meatier question to talk about. Uh, there was another craft-related thing. Huh? Uh, okay. Gamer Guy Rules 20 asks, I'm looking to get into screenwriting. Do you have any advice? Which is a pretty broad question, but I figure maybe we can kind of try to tackle it together. It's a big question, but it's also something that, you know, we can start the discussion because there are so many elements to it, mm -hmm. you know, creatively or whatever. The The first thing I would say is go buy Stephen King's book on writing. Excellent advice. It's really the best book I've ever read on the creative process and how it frees you to do it yourself. And it, it tells you, this is how I do it, says mm -hmm. Stephen King. And maybe this will help you. This isn't a rule book. It's not the usual screenwriting text, which I, I really do not like most of them because yeah. I don't think there are rules. There may be rules to what makes a script that studio executives are looking for, mm -hmm. but I don't think it 
makes a good script necessarily. Right. It can, but I've never in my life followed rules from a textbook yeah. when it comes to writing. Yeah. I think write what you know is a great thing to say, but write what you imagine, write from your heart, mm-hmm. write what you want to see and write what you're feeling. If it's genuine and you have the ability to communicate through words in a an eloquent way, then that's the best you can do. Yeah. But use your imagination, but but ground it in the the humanity of the characters and make it identifiable. And you know, even the wildest of imaginary thoughts, Guillermo del Toro's movies are brilliantly imaginative, but they're human. Yeah. And they're very, very grounded. And certainly that's the, the center of Stephen King's world. No matter how fantastical they become, they're quite grounded. But, you know, you can't be a bad writer and become a good writer. You can be a writer and become a better writer sure. by practice. Yeah. And look at the movies and try and read the scripts to the movies that you really like and resonate with you. That's what I was going to say is yeah. re- read screenplays. I think that for me, working as a development executive and then transitioning to being a writer, it was just reading screenplays every single day. Good ones, bad ones in between. You seeing... learn a lot from the bad ones. You do. You yeah. do. And, and you, and you can learn a lot. Do. Yeah, absolutely. You can learn a lot from the, the ones that are in the middle of the road, too. Yeah. You know, I mean, I just think you just you have to be a voracious reader if you want to become a good writer. Absolutely. And screenwriting is still literary. I When I pick up a screenplay that is illiterate, even though we're talking about it being a blueprint for a film, I can't get through it. Well, bl- blueprint is really like it's in quotes. You yes. Know? Like it still has to be, re- I mean, the, the amount of people a movie has to be read by before it becomes a movie is endless. Well, you, one of the most important things is you have to uh, write so that actors want to play these parts. Right. Uh, otherwise, what's the point but even before that their agents have to read it yeah you know <laughs> yeah but <laughs> you know, i also and then, don't and then the agent's assistants have to read it but and i then, would also say don't know. write for the marketplace write something from the heart oh yeah no i'm not I'm, I, yeah. it's really more just a speaking of the quality yeah, uh, yeah. It, it has to be good because you have to get past all of these checkpoints yeah all if these... you aren't turning in professional quality material you will be thrown onto the pile by the fireplace yep. uh, right after the first. Most people decide whether or not they're going to continue reading a script, often on the first page, certainly by page 10. And if you can't connect with somebody by page 10, then you're masturbating. Yeah, yeah. So, well, those are, I think, all excellent tips for <laughs> uh, for if you want to try and, and start being a screenwriter. So... On, on that, I think we'll call it another AMA. All right, AMA. And uh, you can ask your questions by going to uh, Joe Russo Tweets, uh, to Mick Garris PM on Twitter and on Instagram. And uh, we look forward to your questions, and we will look forward to answering them. Thank you, Mick. Thank you, Joe. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you would let the world know about it by reviewing and rating it on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you have comments or questions for our Ask Mick Anything shows, send them to producer Joe at Joe Russo Tweets or to at Mick Garris PM on Instagram or Twitter or the Postmortem with Mick Garris Facebook page. 
This is a brand new address, so don't forget it. That's at Mick Garris PM on both Twitter and Instagram. And if you'd like to see my vintage and recent video interviews, making of documentaries, and audiobooks of some of my short stories, go to my website, MickGarrisInterviews.com. Thanks for listening to Postmortem with Mick Garris. Download new episodes every other Wednesday and subscribe on iTunes. Calling all coffee drinkers. If you've been trying to enhance your daily coffee routine, then Quest has got your back with their brand new iced coffees. Now available in two delightfully delicious flavors that'll be sure to add an extra pep in your step. Vanilla latte and mocha latte. Quest has been on a mission to help fuel you with protein-forward foods you'll love. Each bottle of Quest iced coffee is packed with 200 milligrams of caffeine, the same amount as two cups of regular coffee, plus 10 grams of protein per serving to help you supercharge your day. And did I mention that they only contain one gram of sugar? It might just be time to cheat on your iced coffee with iced coffee. Find Quest iced coffees on Amazon.com slash Quest Nutrition. That's Amazon.com slash Quest Nutrition.